It is Thursday, May 7th, and this is Set the Table. Uh, this is episode 11. I am John, and with me is Jack. How's it going, eh? And uh, episode 11 here is going to be us talking about fudging rolls. Um, we are here to talk about tabletop roleplay games and how you can improve your DM-GM skills uh, and fudging rolls is definitely something worth talking about. Uh, before we get started in our main conversation, uh, what how's <clears throat> how's Dalrea doing, our terrifying gnome friend? So my terrifying Nerf Neblin, uh, I purposely taught myself how to say that word, um, just to annoy my other players. She uh, is taking it's a break. Not that hard. Smurf Neblin, yeah. Smurf Neblin. I think it's the SB. That, that messes up most English speakers. But yeah. uh, we are on a break. We are Ooh. we are doing a one-off. We're playing, a, um, we're using a system called uh, Monster of the Week, mm-hmm. uh, which is set in the 1980s, which has been a little bit difficult. Um, we, we talked a little bit about uh, method acting and, and player types, and, and I've shared some of my... Uh, my things. I've I've done a fairly good job of um, keeping my mouth shut because, uh, as the listeners know, I'm I'm more advanced in in years than than some folks on the on the in the podcast, and uh, I vividly remember the 1980s, uh, and I'm playing a 10 year old girl in in the 1980s, so. Uh, my fellow players are saying things like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go upstairs and play Sonic the Hedgehog," and it's like. No, no, you're not. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog was released in '91. Um, you're probably playing an Atari 2600. So we could play Outlaw. We could play um, Adventure. We could play Combat. But you're not playing Sonic. And then um, there was another scene that involved a TV remote control. Um, mm. It's like, oh my gosh, your parents must be rich because um, remote controls really weren't very prominent in the 1980s you still had to get up off the couch and go change the channel so um but i've been that's, i was that's good. the history nerd in you though well i mean i i remember it's like being philip j fry in futurama like if you lived in the 19th <laughs> century that's the only way to get an a in my class it's like I, I remember all these things they're talking about stuff like uh um like oh, i'm gonna put on my inline skates and it's like uh, <laughs> same thing we're gonna go to the store it's a sunday it's like uh, there's still blue laws you can't go you know certain stores aren't open on sunday in the 1980s uh but it, it, it was fun um monster uh monster a week is uh kind of like it's a it feels like a stranger things like we're kids or goonies right mm-hmm. um weird things are happening one of the characters has a strange superpower um, and we're confronting Call of Cthulhu-esque style monsters. Man, um, that sounds pretty fun. It is pretty fun. I, although I do, I mean, I'm a I'm a North American fifth grader, so I, I miss terrifying people and and singing and. Uh, but we'll get back to it sooner or later. Sure, sure. So As a method actor, problem. it's probably good for you to get a break from all the evil. <laughs> Yeah, probably. It's 
probably a good time, you know, just take a step back. And what it'll, what it'll do is it'll help me kind of energize my my plans and make me even more evil later on. Mm, by biding your evil. That's it. So what have you been up to? Oh, all right. So I mentioned it uh, last time that we were gearing up to bring an exciting conclusion to a main game campaign that we've been playing for two years. Uh, and so last last time, last it was Sunday, we uh, we began the climax of the final battle of this two-year campaign. Um, the party started on the edge of this volcanic caldera, knowing that uh, there was a ritual about to be began, uh, about to begin, um, somewhere between there and the mouth of, of where you know the volcano opens up. Um, and so at the end of the, the the previous session, one of the players had used uh, this item uh, that I had called Mysterious Prayer Beads uh, to pray to an unknown god that I was going to have function basically like a wish spell. Um, and so there, there was lots of conditions in play, but to, to make a long story shorter, uh, they used that item to pray for one of the other players previous characters to come back to aid them in this fight um, and so in addition to that they got they they freed the soul of a man trapped inside a weapon for over 3,000 years uh, who called out to his god and got blessed um, so so they ended up with the the character back the character with a new magic weapon and a, a diva to fight alongside the party um, and it was uh, the most exhausting uh, and exciting at times combat that I had run in my experience. I had uh, five level sevens, two level nine paladins with them, 20 level three paladin chumps, uh, a horde of demons that totaled 40 or 50 that I wasn't... I mean, I ran them in groups for the most part, but I think we ended up with uh, 18... 1920 different things on my initiative tracker so uh it was it was a lot um and then an exciting surprise to that was that i it was a i had asked a player who had taken a break uh, a couple months back um if he wanted to to join us for this session because he had been with us for the first year and a half of this campaign and i, I kind of wanted him to be able to see the end i actually asked him if i could uh just run his character that he played for the first year, who uh, was the first of of a few characters to to switch out once my party started kind of wanting to do that, um, and that was kind of everybody missed him and he he was a lot of fun. So uh, during the first or second round of of combat, he comes leaping off a pillar, and I invited the guy to the Skype call, and everyone got all excited. So that was uh I, I had to keep that secret for a week from Callie who plays Katrana and who would have been, you know, the most likely to cry upon seeing this character. Um, but it was, all of that was good. And then the battle went all right. Um, it was really good for the first, you know, five or six rounds. And with 18 things on the initiative tracker, a round takes like 15 to 20 minutes. So, um, after you know after they cleared some of the beginning so, so three three of the party members started to 
uh, sort of like rush towards where they had found the ritual caster who is casting the ritual and every round things seemed to be getting worse. Um, and so uh, before rushing up there, one of the warlocks, the, not one, the warlock cast uh, Hunger of Hadar, which is this great area of effect spell. Um, and uh, another player like willingly teleported himself and a buddy into that area of effect and then proceeded to like complain to that other player how dumb the spell was. Uh, so that was pretty unfortunate, um, and then that ended up causing kind of an argument that I needed to sort of like shout to stop, um, which was not super fun. I don't like shouting during, you know, board games. It's not, I don't, I play these things to be happy and have fun, not to be frustrated. So um, there was that, and then the player who had teleported uh, sort of argued about a ruling that I had on a homebrew version of an anti-magic zone, um, and and that was totally my fault, but after uh, we usually play a three to four hour session, most often three to three and a half, um, and we were closing in on five hours, so um, no, we were over. We were over five hours. Uh, so the battle was halfway over. We had made it to the beginning of round 10, um, and and I think people were getting tired, and I was getting a little a little frustrated. I was tired, so I was a little overwhelmed with keeping track of everything, and uh, so we, we, we called a, a halfway point in the fight there because um, I, I honestly didn't expect that it would take quite so long. Um, but that was the whole thing. Uh, I sent a message to my group the next day, um, sort of clarifying some things, because uh, I did handle the anti-magic zone a little poorly, um, and I had offered meta-knowledge that the players wouldn't have had just for the sake of, like, getting people to stop arguing. Uh, so I wasn't as, like, excited and hype about it by the end as I thought I would have been, but uh, I, I think that we will be able to have a an epic conclusion to it at the end of this session. Um, but that is, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a lot to keep track of and, um, and few. Cool. So, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, all right. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, I am, I am excited in, a relieved sort of way that that arc of the campaign will come to a close. Um, but moving on, because I could talk about that all day. Uh, last time we had uh, one of my players, Thornton, on as a guest, and if you haven't listened to episode 10, uh, you probably should go back and do so. Uh, it was one of the better episodes that we've done so far. Uh, and in, in considering new DMs, uh, this time we're talking about fudging roles, kind of controversial sometimes, uh, pretty system dependent, and uh, I think newer DMs are more likely to do it, and it's something that we should, should clear up a little. Sure. Um, so, so what do you mean when you say fudging roles? Uh, so, so I think typically like the gut instinct is like changing the result of a die roll in secret. Or, or you know, not showing someone and and just changing what it, the face of the die says, uh, or I, I like to think of it more more broadly as otherwise changing the chance for 
a particular action or course of action to succeed or fail. Um, so, you know, changing a 20 from a 19 so that a player doesn't get crit on the first round of combat, or uh, lowering a, a DC of a roll on the fly because you need the players to succeed to get past the hurdle to get to the next thing. Something like that. Okay. What do you think? How do you use fudging rolls? So, so same thing. So, so modifying. So, so I don't know if I necessarily um, change the value that was rolled on the dice. So, in in your in your example, hey, it's you know, we're playing keep on the borderlands, and you walk into the first, the the first cobalt uh, cave, and they throw a you know they shoot a sling at your level one character, and they crit you. Um, I'd look at the 20. I probably wouldn't change the roll. Um, I'd look at the 20 and then just do something different. Oh, well, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not physically yeah. changing the face, but... Right, so, so yeah, so that's... I, I Some some listeners may like, oh, you, you, you go from a 20, do you change, rotate the die? I, I don't rotate the die. I just no. change uh, the meaning of what happens um, just to make sure that we stay kind of true to the narrative right right or in something like keep on the borderlands on the first room one of the players just getting killed is going to leave kind of a sour that's not a good start to an adventure nope and that's our cleric and the rest of us are all damage dealers we just had a four-hour session zero where we made the character like and and now he's dead hooray now some some games and and like you were saying um, this this is very system dependent because there are some games. Uh, I'm thinking I'm, I didn't pull the book off the shelf, but Numenera is. I'm looking at Numenera, um, and for those of those listeners unfamiliar with the Numenera or the cipher system from Monty Cook games, the storyteller, the GM, never rolls dice ever. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there, there's no, there's no fudging of dice on the GM's perspective. Like if you roll dice behind a screen or something, right. um, the player, the players are the ones rolling the dice. So they see what's happening. Um, and, and it is what it is. Uh, although that game also has mechanics to, to kind of, um, I, I guess, and and I know we've we've got this later in the show notes about you know why do you do it when do you do it, um, but I think there are some game systems like Five E and Starfinder and Pathfinder, um, Call of Cthulhu is probably on that list too, where um, the dice are tied directly to success and failure, and I, and I think that's where we see the desire. To, to fudge these rolls like um, i'm 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 gonna roll this die and my cleric's dead well womp, womp, my, cleric's, womp. my cleric's dead because of one bad die roll um other systems seventh c does away with this completely right mm-hmm. and so doesn't fiasco i mean there's in fiasco the die the dice do nothing um other than create your character right and alien's um, got uh, an interest Ooh, i'm getting some echo uh, I can hear myself sometimes. Oh no. Um, we'll see if that persists. Uh, I was gonna say Alien has 
sort of an interesting take on that where if the die roll isn't what you want like there's a mechanic to fudge the whole roll like yes yeah actually that that's the the stress right i can yeah. if i if i get a bad die roll i can we haven't used the verb retcon very often but i can basically i'm not going to take that roll um or my character my character was going to do this thing and then they realized at the last moment that they need to stop and take a breath or they need to get a running start or, or, and then I'm going to roll again. Of course that incurs a penalty where you gain stress and, and in aliens. Um, I did that. I did that a bunch cause I was the Marine. So I would, you know, take, take a shot and miss and be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, keep shooting. <laughs> I'm going to keep shooting and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to dig down, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to aim a little bit better. I'm going to, you know, chastise myself. You're, you're a marine rifleman. Why are you doing that? In but my every own second head that trigger. goes by is is more and more difficult. Right. Uh, yeah. No. It's, I, Alien handles fudging really well. Actually, I hadn't thought of that before right now. But that's an yeah. awesome. Ooh, that's a right. that's a awesome mechanic. And then you look at other systems like. So I hold on, because I, I don't want to okay. get I don't want to get too hung up in the systems yet, because sure. I think we should talk about it. Uh, do like the broad, um, cover it, you know, if, if you're going to do it in systems where it makes sense to, then sure. what's the deal with it and then break it down system dependent. Okay. Um, so like you said, like who, who's fudging roles? Uh, and I think that this is going to have to get knocked to system dependent, um, because it, it depends on if, you know, if the DMGM isn't rolling dice, then obviously not them. <laughs> um, right. But in in systems where it would make sense to, uh, I'll, I'm just gonna say 5e because that is what the majority of people are playing. Um, I think it should really only be the DM. But like in my group, I think that I trust my players enough that if I told them just to make up numbers when I asked for rolls, we would still have sort of the same quality of game. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it only becomes a problem when when players are doing it consistently but that will will that will come up a little bit later okay um, and and i'm i'm i think that again that we get into the system dependency weeds but but uh, if if you're in a system that is lends itself to those kind of life or death um the game continues or the game stops type roles that yes, that's, that's the DM's job. Definitely. Do you do it? Do you fudge roles? Um, yes. Yes, I do. Uh, okay. I was going to say, I think, absolutely. I think there isn't a, a I, I don't think there would be a great DM out there who does it. Not to say that, great dms fudge roles but i think fudging roles is part of learning how to be a dm at the very least and i think we've all done it um well, i i think especially as an experienced dm um again you'll for for folks who are new right it's like oh you have to have experience um but if if you are if you're let's let's we'll take combat off the table um you're you're playing a game there's a secret door and behind the secret door is something very important to the narrative of the game. And there's, there's been several clues. 
that have led up to the characters getting to this room and right i'm gonna look for secret doors and they roll and they botch yep um well you as the dm now have to think well what what kind of brainstorm in your head what are my players going to do they don't find a secret door they're going to go back to town they're going to go back to the tavern they're going to you know they're they're supposed to get a key behind the secret door there's no key they're going to wind up spending two more or three more sessions crawling through a dungeon and they're going to get to a locked door that can't be picked and they have to have this key like is this the kind of group that's going to do that and go well, crap, now we could go back through and see where we missed the key. Or is this the kind of group that's going to go, Why can't we open the door? There's no key. I have lockpicks, though. For, for beers, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's... um, And again, it, it, it's it's group-dependent and and it's it's goal-dependent, really. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would... I mean, and that's what I do. I kind of roll through my head, like, they're... They they've just failed this critical role. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Um, you know this this story ruin. I I call them story wreckers, right? There's a story wrecking role. They didn't yep. make it, and now the story's wrecked. And and we we talked about modules already in another show, but that's one of the one of the cardinal rules of writing modules. It's in Goodman Games writing adventure modules that don't suck is to not put those in. Now, some modules still have them, right? Right. Um, I, they increase drama. You know, it's a narrative piece, but it is difficult to weave in in a game development sense. Right. And and then, I mean, because you could, you could, like, okay, they didn't find the secret door. They don't have the key. They made it to the vault. There's no way to get into the vault. And now they're all bent out of shape. Let's just, you know, it's like, we're we're all tired. We don't have our spell slots. Let's go back to town and recharge and think about what our options are. And then, right, as a GM, even though it's not written into the module, when they walk into the tavern, there's a bard singing about you know the key with wings behind the the altar, um, and it's some folk tale that that he learned when he was little, and it. Mm. It's more clues, like, okay, go back to this place. <laughs> right. Um, but, and then, of course, you still run the risk of they'll they'll roll poorly again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, So at that point, then I, I do the DC fudge, and, you know, if before their investigation was like a 2 on a D20, and now they rolled a... And eleven, even though they needed a fifteen, it's like, oh, you know, you've been here before. This time, you decide to check more carefully, and you find a little bit of dust drifting in the breeze towards those stones over there. There's a draft, and now then they go and investigate the stones. I mean, maybe for for the sake of of like brevity, I would just say that they find the door more they than having them the roll door. again. Right. But, um, yeah. Weave it in. Uh, is that why? Okay, so we kind of already answered like why it's okay to fudge rolls at all. Um, and in terms of I, 
uh, Callie asked me when I was talking uh, earlier, she asked what the show was about, and I said fudging roles, and she said, oh, geez, do you do that? And I was like, yeah, I fudge I fudge the roles sometimes if I need to. Um, and, and she was like, well, isn't that like cheating? <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't call it cheating because there's not winning or losing at tabletop roleplay games, you know? It's not DM versus players. It's not me, oh, this monster is going to crit you every time. So so it's this this is where I will before I say that's game system dependent which it totally is. It it is. I'll say it is group dependent as well. You may have a group that is totally okay with the the whims of fate, right? If if you have fair dice and you're rolling them um they may like my group, my Monday group um mo- most of us I, I would say the preponderance of us of us are totally comfortable with that's where the dice rolled and if we didn't find the key and we got to the unopenable door then we have to go back and look for the key and if, if we went to the room with a secret door and we still didn't find the secret door tough tough toenails you know come back tomorrow <laughs> and look again my my group my monday group is very comfortable with that kind of gameplay um so so i think that's very group like you you could have a group that says nope we failed like yep i'm i'm my cleric got one shotted by a cobalt day one room one that is right he 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 was he was not in the face he did not have the strength of loth and the goddess has not taken favor on him Mm -hmm. um or whatever religious uh, tradition you follow, um, and and that's just it. You know, it wasn't meant to be. Roll I, another character. And I think try my it. yeah, I think my group definitely likes to to feel a little more you know heroic and important. Um, and then I I've also thrown in here is is it not is it against the rules to fudge dice? And I, I'm going to say that, you know, the, the golden rule of any tabletop RPG is that the DM has the final say. So if they want to just make up every die roll, then that's what they do. And technically that is allowed. Whether you want to play at that table or not is up to you, but... Um, right. I mean, it's, it, it's and that's, always... that's an extreme. No, and, and but, but it, like rule, rule number one for me is everyone has fun. Yep. Okay. And if that cleric who gets one shotted by, you know, a cobalt guard, is is cool with that and that's fun, then we've we've satisfied rule number one. But if that's gonna, if if this is a new player and they've sat down at the table and they spent twenty five thirty minutes making a character and now they're gonna see that character die, um, in the first three minutes of the game, no, that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so that's, yeah, I'm, 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 I am totally down with fudging those types of systems, uh, to make sure that folks are having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I think when, when it, when the fun of the game matters more than the effects of the action for which you are fudging a role for, um, we've talked about before, like throwing really challenging monsters at a party and, you know, intending for them not to fight but identify that they should run away uh and you you know you don't you don't want you as the dm don't want that encounter to be so deadly 
uh, and you happen to, you know, roll a roll a natural twenty, you know, f fudge it down to the value of a nineteen and roll regular damage instead. Um, or, or, um, I'm th I'm thinking of um, I'm thinking of a module now from the Skull and Shackles in the Pathfinder series. Mm -hmm. uh, the the low level characters are press ganged onto a pirate ship, and there's a combat scene, and they're supposed to surrender. Oh. And, and if you're the captain, and if, if you're the DM, right, and you're the captain of the pirate ship and you're playing the pirate NPCs, we, we have to, again, this is kind of, this we haven't talked about how to play villains and NPCs as the DM. It's probably another good show. Oh, yeah. uh, but if you've press ganged a dozen people out of a tavern, like, you don't press gang people to kill them and throw them overboard. Right. You you, you need just kill them. <laughs> able body sailors. So yeah, the combat. I'm I'm gonna fight you to the death. No, you're not, because even though I'm critting you with a twenty, I've switched to non lethal because I want to knock your your mm -hmm. butt out, put you in the hold, and give you bread and water until you say yes, I'll sail for the next three three weeks with you. Or right, there you're you gonna go. hold and get you know. Uh, a, a little piece of hard tack and, and a cup of water every day and you're going to lose a lot of weight and have, have some pretty bad malnutrition. And right. You're not going to have fun sitting in the hold. Right. So so that's kind of, that's, that's the other thing too, is just because you're critting and you're rolling these things doesn't necessarily mean that the NP, you, gotta, you have to think back to what's this NPC's motivation. And, and sometimes, right. yeah, it is. I'm the Cobalt Guard, and, and these people are trying to raid my home and take my things. I'm going to defend everything with my life. But um, in a lot of cases, most most intelligent creatures won't fight to the death. Yes, most intelligent creatures. And, most in, and even some animals, once they subdue you, they'll run away. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, unless you're fighting an alligator or a shark. The mama bear's defending her cubs. She's knocked you all to zero hit points. She's going to pick up her cub by the scruff of the neck and run for the woods. Mm -hmm. she, she's not going to deliver killing blows to every Three, single character. She's going to continue wailing on dead bodies. Yeah. yeah. No, bears aren't. Probably something no, about might. bears. Once, once, she protect, once she gets her cub to safety, she might come back and grab one of your corpses for food, but... Mm. Hopefully by then you, you know, <laughs> made your death saves. Somebody has made a death save, and they're helping the other players. Um, so it might be, and some of some of these, I mean, all of these things are going to end up being system dependent. But in in the systems that you've so five E Pathfinder, Starfinder, GURPS, um, Call of Cthulhu. When when do you fudge a roll? We've come up with a couple scenarios, but uh, for the sake of sort of a more of a, a concise, like here is a a rule of for a scenario. Thumb. Oh, rules of thumb. So, there so, you go. So for my rule of thumb is, um, if the outcome of the roll is going to have a severely negative impact on the narrative. Or, okay. Okay. Um, 
and and that could be a character death that could be a key piece of something that they need that could be one of these module breaking roles um if it's one of those i'll fudge the role now here's the the but i'll also right i we i haven't gotten to that point when i fudge roles just to keep the fates um just to just to not draw the ire of the fates or or whatever to keep the status quo yes i will usually create some kind of impact so let's go back to the secret door with the the key that you have to have right mm -hmm. the, the critical key you you blew the roll okay so you you figured out you need to come back you've come back you blow the roll again but i'm gonna fudge it but in the process of opening that secret door you broke your rapier Oof, all right okay so now you don't that that weapon can't be used in combat you've got to switch back to your dagger or you've got to borrow a weapon from somebody else so so to to keep the universe in balance i will traditionally levy some kind of penalty or negative consequence if i fudge a roll in the player's favor okay yeah my my rule of thumb is is to fudge rolls very very sparingly and almost always in favor of the players um and i <coughs> excuse me and i don't oh, i'm gonna take a sip of water here um and i don't fudge rolls that have to do with uh anything lethality so you know death saving throws or um <clears throat> potentially lethal traps and i and i don't fudge rolls just for the laws of it um and we gave a couple examples earlier. Uh, if you've got a low-level party who just made their character and they're super excited to play, and your first roll on your first combat would be a crit, and they would knock them out, changing that a little bit um, to to stop something that was intended to be threatening but not lethal from becoming too lethal. Um, sometimes fudge a roll to allow a PC an epic moment. Uh, they they got the the rope bridge snapped and they're they're plummeting down and they try to grab on to one of the ropes and it's a dc 15 in your dm notes but they roll a 14 and you're like oh but you're gonna fall the water 60 feet below take 66 in falling damage and then be attacked by crocodiles you manage to grab the rope but it burns your hands as it goes suffer you know 1d4 fire damage and and you manage to hold on um you already mentioned for for narrative reasons um yeah i i do it occasionally when i as the dm realize that i've made a mistake if i have balanced an encounter poorly or if i referred to you know a, the wrong modifier or i you know i didn't have time to look up exactly what the strength modifier on the bear was but it if it's a plus four instead of a plus two then it would have done two more damage but eh um or, or misusing, you know, a stat block or a spell level. Um, sometimes I will fudge rolls to alleviate frustration. 
if I see that in players. Um, you know that I've I've played with several first time groups, uh, and yeah. and uh, and sometimes when people are getting frustrated that they just can't succeed at anything, uh, you know, f five rolls below a ten in an in a row, and everyone else is passing acrobatics and disarming traps and you're over there with half your shoulder sliced open from a swinging axe blade and all you want to do is is put you know ch chuck the key into the hole from a distance give them give them a little bit of something to help them feel a little better um or to alleviate dm frustration where uh and I, I guess this this goes beyond fudging a roll, but um, one of the boss encounters throughout this campaign, my party dealt with, uh, in like far far easier than I thought they would have. Um, and the the end boss at the time there was a, a CR five, and I I just threw an extra CR eight monster in at the end. This portal opens. It made sense thematically. It's gonna sound like it doesn't, but there was a portal there. Um, and and through that rip, a another demon managed to emerge before the power of the first boss had completely evaporated. Um, and so that's you know that's fudging an encounter, but um, the yeah to to alleviate frustration can be an okay. Uh, like you said, as long as everyone's having fun. Right. That's the that's the goal. Yeah. Uh, and what about? trust because i feel like as we've been talking about this uh, as i've been listening to myself talk about it a little bit um you you need trust to make rpgs function you know the players have to believe that you are going to give them a reasonable and realistic uh description of of the world and events as they happen and to be the fair and neutral personification of everyone that they meet and all the creatures that they fight um, and and you as the DM have to trust players to you know respect your judgment and your rulings and so if you find out that like if in a five E game you discover that behind the screen your DM is rolling dice but is just arbitrarily deciding what happens the game becomes less risky exciting and magical and if they're not doing it fairly it feels like the you know, the decisions of the players, you know, largely don't matter. Balance in the universe no longer exists. Um, so I think that if you, as a new DM or any DM, are thinking about fudging roles or need to fudge a role, it should happen uh, very rarely and be used to, like, help epic moments feel epic and keep everything balanced uh, and without being you know, punishing or frustrating for your players or for yourself. Right. So you want to, you want to have the deft hands of a safe cracker or uh, a guy who burns down his own bar for the insurance money, as long as it looks <laughs> like an electrical thing. Right. Yes, sorry, muted myself so I could take a sip of water. I don't know why my throat is so scratchy. Um, I think that uh, fudging rolls could be a session zero thing, and as we get close to the, the system discussion, um, 
you know, one of the things that will come up in session zero is is talking about what system you're going to play, uh, and that might be, you know, how much how much fate does your DM want in their hands, um, or how much fate do your players want the DM to have in their hands? Sure. Um, I like uh, I included this in my notes <clears throat> um, that in something like Five E. Uh, I, I'm sort of of the school of thought that ignorance is bliss, where if you're a new DM and, you know, you you really don't know if your encounters are going to be balanced correctly or you, you know, haven't played with any of the players and not everybody knows all the rules, like, you can tell people, hey, some of these roles are going to be fudged so that things don't go too poorly or, or you know, uh, without any challenge at all. And maybe everyone will be fine with that. Otherwise... Uh, I think the play is to to just not mention it, and it'll be fine until it emerges as a problem. Um, you know, if your players aren't really thinking about it, then they won't feel like anything is is unfair. Um, right. And I I like the Futurama quote for this one from uh, the episode where Bender is God. When you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. Yeah, that that was the lead-in, right? The like a safe cracker or a guy who burns down his own bar for the insurance money yes as long as it looks like yeah um yeah episodes too but if it does become a pro like if you've got a player who's fudging all of their roles uh there was a, a case on the reddit uh, a little while back of a, a newer dm who's like i think a player is fudging roles in in two sessions he hasn't rolled anything less than an 11 um and they were playing on a digital platform so i think that the solution to that is using a, a virtual die roller, um, which sort of eliminates the possibility of that. Um, but I, I, I don't do that. Most of my players roll uh, with real dice, and I, I've never suspected them of fudging anything that made the game not fun. So uh, until it becomes not fun... We play on roll 20, so, so everybody sees the die rolls unless the GM does a GM roll. Oh, see, I like my... I've got my I I need the physical dice in my hands. I'm too tactile for that. But I also, yeah. you know, don't fudge rolls very much. Um and yeah. when I do, it's it's often in favor of the players. So um trust is important. That is definitely a, a session 0 issue and if fudging rolls becomes an issue, uh then you know, you can try to address it for what you're doing, use a virtual die roller, or you could play a system where fudging rolls isn't really something that happens, like uh, Numenera, or in the pre-show, you were telling me about Genesis. Yeah, so so I think, again, I, I like to look at things kind of as a spectrum. So um, there are completely, like, so... 7th C, I think at the very far end of the spectrum is probably um, Fiasco, where mm. there, there's no dice rolling. I mean, you do, right? But like, you don't have to. You could just pick from the book. You, you roll the dice to basically build your character and your relationships to the story, but then you just go around telling a story. Um, right, but even those die rolls, like it's so so for people who don't know, I, my what I recall from the fiasco book was that you know there would be a table with 
you know, relationship to villain and, it, you know, mother, father, sibling, cousin, employer, whatever. Yeah. And it's just 1d6 options. So theoretically, you could just pick from those and the game would still run. Yes. And, and you don't have to pick. So there's there's several different tables in a playset. One of those tables defines relationships between characters. There's a motivation table. Um, there's a um, location table. There's an object table. There, there's a bunch of different tables. And, and you can, and yes, if you get to the point where um, you're playing with folks and, and the last die on the table for you to pull off the table is my motivation is to get laid and you're not comfortable with that motivation as a character. Um, you could, again, uh, that's, that's kind of a, a game setup thing. It's like, I, I really don't want this motivation. It's like, Oh, okay, well you don't have, don't take a motivation. Let's look on the other tables and figure out what that should be. Oh, it should be location. You start in prison. Oh, okay. I'll start the game in prison. Nice. And now everybody's having fun, and it doesn't and matter what fun. the diary was. Um, but the, the outcome of the scenes and, and what's happening, not dice-related. Um, and, and so that, that's, that's a pure, like, if you don't like random stuff, uh, Fiasco is probably not a bad game to look at. And then there's, then there's 7C, where um, there's a bunch of mechanics inside of 7C that Basically, the whole idea of fudging rules. Um, you uh, you cut out there's there a little a lot bit. Of, oops. Yeah. So Seventh C Second Edition has a ton of mechanics uh, that that kind of make it so you don't need to fudge rules. Mm-hmm. They have hero points, right? And a lot of the games that we're going to talk about, a lot of the systems have this currency. Like you, you've got a chip, a poker chip, or a coin or something, and if you don't like the roll, you can hand in that chip and re-roll. Or you can hand in that chip for a special um, ability that makes the roll irrelevant, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, 7th C has hero points. Uh, Savage Worlds has has hero points as well. Uh, that's that's kind of, in a lot of the newer systems, that they, I think I think that's a direct result of I, you know, I did poorly on this one roll and I've broken, I've ruined the game where, nope, here's my hero point. I, I don't need to make that roll. I'm going to use this ability that lets me succeed. Mm. Or um, I'm going to use this hero point to re-roll my, my poor system, my poor roll. In, uh, in Ten Candles, your character creation items, and I, I've talked about that a little bit, but like you get four index cards that other people have written that you pass around the table to build your character and it's a good thing a bad thing a hope and a a moment and if you would it i think i might not remember a hundred percent here but i think that even if you are not the one who's rolling the dice if it makes sense for that personality trait to come into play you can seize control of the scene and then nice. you know change change the outcome of something uh and that could be you know not even the dice pool that you rolled from but but that's a 
Um, in that system, that is a facet of character creation, even. Nice. That's very cool. Oh, the One Ring, um, the Lord of the Rings. There, there's a pool of points. They're called fellowship points, and they, they act oh, yep. in that same kind of, I want to re-roll that, or I want that outcome to be different. And then one that I just picked up and started reading about, or, or reading the core rulebook, was the from Fantasy Flight. It's their Genesis roleplay game system. Yeah, it's you the, started to tell me about this one, and this sounded neat. And and this is actually the engine uh, behind all of the Star Wars roleplay games, the modern ones. Not the West End. the The thirty year old West End was a I think it was a two D six system, but this is the new modern Fantasy Flight Star Wars roleplay game. You know, Edge of the was Edge, Edge of the, the Empire. Empire. Yeah, yeah, those. Those uh, books all use this, and it's it's a what they call a narrative dice system. So um, it's Fantasy Flight. So you have to buy their dice, and and they have different shapes. I'm I'm grabbing my my set just so I can talk to them intelligently. Yeah, yeah, do it up. Um, but. So, so you have a different sets of dice, and they have different sides. So you have a uh, six-sided, eight-sided, and twelve-sided dice. And there are positive dice that you put into your dice pool when you're trying to take an action, or do some combat, or do something fun or exciting. Um, and then there are negative dice. So there are um, ability dice, and and a bunch of other. I won't name them all off because, but you build this dice pool and you roll it. And the different faces, they're not numbers, they're all different symbols, but the symbols either mean success or failure, um, and then triumph uh, or chaos? I forget the names. But anyway, um, what it results in is you can roll these dice and succeed at something and have a negative outcome. Or you could roll the dice and fail, but somewhere in that failure is a positive situation or circumstance or, or result for your character. Okay. It's it's very different. So um, like I'm I'm trying to hotwire a speeder and I fail at hotwiring the speeder and zap my fingers. However, there's a, a bunch of credits sitting in the glove box like yes yeah as you're hot wiring the speeder um you knock loose the the sack of credits that was jammed up under the dash and now you can't get away from storms but now you've got a sack of money that you're able to bribe them with nice or okay. that's I, you're dueling I like that you're dueling that stupid jedi and um <laughs> You you beat him, right? You cut his hand off, but then your lightsaber cuts off. Mm. Okay. And now, yeah, I succeed. The thing happened to me. Now I'm unarmed for the rest of this battle that's unfolding around me. Very cool. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very different. Um, Mechanically, I, but not so much thematically. The You know, thematically, it, it's it's it creates a lot of interesting um, outcomes. 
But I could do I could do something similar in in five e and say, oh, you got to roll with advantage, but even though you didn't see the rogue hiding over there, you did spot an herb that the druid might like. It's not it's not as yes. common, and it definitely is not encouraged it's... or or talked about at all. But I, right, I, I could. You right a. a... A specific GM could incorporate this kind of these kinds of outcomes into any game. Um, it's just that the Genesis system has them baked right into the mechanics. Mm -hmm. No, that is right. pretty cool. And uh, especially if you're new, right? If you're a new role player, um, you can you can definitely see how this would help a new role player kind of come up with those. And there's a whole chapter in the book that talks about the narrative dice and how to kind of think about these outcomes and, and what to do because a, a success with a, with a despair, despair, that's the word I was looking for. I, I succeeded in my role, but I rolled a despair. What, what does that really look like? You, like you, whatever the thing is that you were challenging, you've, you've succeeded, but you've got this despair to worry about now. Mm -hmm. And and it means something bad. It's, it definitely sounds like, uh, a system that would be perhaps better suited for people who have like the background in improv or you know DMs who are comfortable or excited about that aspect of DMing. Yes. Yeah. the The Genesis system, I think, is 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 and and there again, we we're talking about systems now. So that's a seventh C fiasco. I, I think any of these systems where there's a lot of improv or ad-libbing um yeah you've got to be comfortable in that environment and mm -hmm. and trust right you've got to have the trust of your players because that that's just yeah okay yeah you defeated that jedi cut his hand off he's running away your lightsaber cuts out what the hell <laughs> but i got it i got more successes i i i'm what am i you know now what am i gonna do it's like you're 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 a sith what do you think you should do Force choke the next guy you come across. The next, the next clone that walks by under your command, whip his blaster out of his hand and tell him to go find something. You know, like yeah, there you go. You know, oh, there's I, there's, I, lots I like there's lots of different outcomes. But again, if your players aren't, I don't want to say create. Yeah, creative is the right word. If your players aren't creative like that, if they're kind of in a modality. You know, if if they're in a five E mindset, and and I'm not gonna poo poo five E, but no, you're right. It's, you're right though. It's a five E mindset. I've I've got a character. I've got a role. I'm in this adventure. Whether there's rails or not, I'm kind of following a path. Like, if the DM's got rails for me, I sit on the rails. If the DM doesn't have rails for me, that system is good at giving players a rail <laughs> to play. Right? Because I'm a I'm a warlock in Five E, and I'm I'm in a dungeon. There's certain things I'm gonna do, um, and and that's you know, you 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 wind up kind of in that mindset where, you know, you don't you necessarily don't have license to. It, to it's, add it's a little harder to to play with things because players see that glowing orange ball of fire, and then get confused why it hits in a 40 foot radius instead like how it's not fireball is not supposed to be that big it's like well it's not a traditional fireball get over it like 
it's it's harder to do that in 5e when more people know the rules and are like i i want what i expected i don't right. want my it's yeah no and and that's i mean that's that's why people have genres of um of fiction that they like right i mean if you're mm-hmm. really into westerns and you sit down to read a western or watch a western and all of a sudden a spaceship comes down and lands in the middle of town like like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. This isn't what I, I signed up for. And I, and I'm I've, I'm looking at my table, and right there is Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, written by Gary Gygax himself, and that pissed off a lot of people because I'm in Greyhawk. It's a fantasy setting, and I truck up this hill, and there's a robot. What the right? It's yep. a, that you're breaking my my <laughs> job. Um, breaking up the band, Yoko. Right, and that's and that's the same kind of thing. Um, DCC handles this with luck, the luck mechanic, right? Um, you roll poorly, uh, and you can say, I'm going to burn luck. Like, I, I missed that yeah. roll by two. Screw it. Here's two luck points. I hit that guy. I now, forgot I'm not about that. Lucky uh, in the future, um, but I'm going to I'm gonna get through this, this situation. And that's um, a really well-balanced mechanical way of handling that, too. It is, and DCC Lankmar is even better because you have fleeting luck. I feel like again, every time we talk about uh, systems, it makes me kind of wish that I was playing something other than 5e. <laughs> no, see, I I don't I, want the listeners to feel that way because I, 5e is an excellent game system, okay? It totally it's, is. Especially for new players because, like you were saying... It is there's what you expect it to be. Source material and there's a whole culture and and you can easily get brought into that. Um, I it just for me and again I'm not trying to sound elitist. Once you get comfortable in Five E, that's when you should go to your friendly lo- local game store. And there's always a shelf. It's it in in our local game store down in in West Lab Black Moon Games. It's the upper left shelf on the bookshelf <laughs> and it's full of these it's got fate it's got genesis it's got star wars dcc dungeon crawl classics is there um that's when you you like hey what is that like i mean and 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 there are other games there, there are a ton of games right did did um, you say that you had two full copies of the dcc player's handbook or the their core uh, so dungeon the core book i have I have two hardback copies of the core book. Uh, Goodman Games is, they are brilliant marketers and they do uh, limited edition covers and fake and faux leather covers and certain certain art is only available at certain conventions. It's 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 a racket. It's it's totally a racket. But yes, I have <laughs> I have a soft cover and a hard cover. It's a racket, but you love it. <laughs> it's a racket that I love absolutely. I may uh I may borrow one of those and and try to do a, a one shot with my group in DCC. Because uh, like is... going from five E to DCC isn't isn't that hard, and I feel like that might be the sort of like refreshing, you know, refreshment uh that we need. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm I love DCC because it's so nostalgic for the 1970s when I first started playing the game. Right. Right. 
Well, my and, I first started playing games with you, so it was you know AD and D and GURPS. So, right, not well, as much for me, but a little bit. So, but yeah, no, totally. And then I wanted to talk about um, there are some systems. I'm I'm I've got Delta Green, the Fall of Delta Green, or the Delta Green system here um, from Pelgrane Press, uh, and and they they've done something very clever. There are points in the story where if you have amassed enough clue tokens it's kind of it kind of sounds like arkham horror elder horror um but one of the currencies in the game are clues and once you hit a certain threshold of clues you you just you get the to the next piece of the story there's like a cut scene and it's like, yeah almost like it's, it's it's not quite that video gamey but it's very similar to like okay we've you know we've we've interrogated the the, the it's it's set in um, the 1960s Vietnam so we've interrogated the prisoner that we we've captured in the tunnels and we've talked to higher headquarters and um, we we got the classified dossier from the expert at the Pentagon we've got three clues now when we go into the tunnels um, that the Viet Cong are using to ferry uh, ammunition to the enemy and we encounter this thing, we know what it is. And and we can open the portal or the gate or the door um, and move to the next part of the adventure. I did so that. They, they've taken the whole like perception role. Roll for perception, roll for arcana, roll for fine traps. Nope, that, that's gone. Like you are you are ready. You've done what you needed to do in the previous session. You're ready for the next thing. Right, you've been playing for three hours already. It's not a make it or break it. You find the hidden door or you don't kind of roll. Right, so you don't need to fudge fudge those. And we've, we've got, I've seen Alien on the list, um, and, and we talked a lot about Alien. We didn't talk about fudge. Yeah, you mentioned that but uh, in the pre-show, but didn't explain it very much, and I, so I'm not familiar with that one. Fudge is a role-play game system. It was a free one written on the Internet, back before the internet was the internet. This is, I think it's 10. Back when it was ARPANET? Yeah, well, a little bit before that, but <laughs> not much, not much. It was back in the, I want to say it was the nine. My history lesson is off, so I'll have to go look it up again. But, um, And they use a six-sided die, but it's special six-sided dies that just have pluses and minuses. So I, I went, I googled fudge rpg and the first thing on their website is what's new the princess bride role-playing game <laughs> yes so, oh so I'm, down, I'm down a rabbit hole now <sighs> oh gosh so so fudge is a generic role-play system um and it's been it's been out for a while it's it's an award-winning it was nominated for an origins award um and it uses six-sided dice with pluses and minuses it's it's a very rules light system, uh, so you have a they call it the ladder, um, and you'll take your ability. So I'm I'm trying to pick this lock. So I take my lock pick ability. Um, I grab four fudge dice. I roll them, and if it's a plus, I add one. If it's a minus, I take away one. So if I roll plus plus minus blank, I rolled a one right plus plus minus so one plus two plus that's two a minus down to one and a blank is nothing 
Um, so I add one to my lock pickability, and that will tell me on the ladder um, whether it's a good, great, epic, or or success. And that's kind of the challenge rating system. Um, so I know we talked about fudging roles, and and I'm sure some listener out there is going to go, are they going to talk about fudge? And of course, the the spiritual or the commercial successor to fudge is fate from Evil Hat Productions. And I'm not familiar with that either. Yeah, no, I've I've got that hardcover in my hand right here. Um, and it, again, it's generic, so um, you you basically create a fate game. It's it's a home brewer's dream, my friend. Mm. Um, with the core rulebook, you can play basically anything from um, cavemen, fantasy, Wild West, weird World War II, modern day cyberpunk. Lovecraftian horror, sci-fi, um, yeah, it's it's very cool. I can't find so the the Kickstarter for the Princess Bride role playing game was like two years ago. Aw, and I can't you missed it. I I've missed it by a little bit more than a little. Um, and the only place that I can find to get it is Amazon. All right, that's fine. I will look for that later. But that's hella cool. Didn't know that existed. Well, that, now you have to learn how to play uh, Fate or Fudge. Fudge, yeah. I, I don't know. It sounds interesting. I like that it's kind of rules light. Um, it's I don't know. It's refreshing as a DM. I'm just I'm just a little not burnt out, but it's, I had a lot going on that last session, and I am I'm just still wary about it. Sure. Um, are there? Any other systems that strike you as being worth noting as they relate to fudging roles? Fudging roles. I'm. I'm. I mean, we've talked about like paranoia before, but yeah, you can't really. So you know, a computer die with, is a computer die. With paranoia. Like, yeah, and and I'm I'm thinking about things like like paranoia. DCC is kind of in the same category where, um, your your characters in paranoia and in, in, in some respect in DCC aren't these like epic story. Like I've, I've developed this backstory, like in, in, in paranoia, for example, you're one of six clones and it takes about 20 minutes for the group to generate all your characters. Right. Uh, so, so if you lose a clone, you're actually supposed to lose a clone. You're supposed to die at least once or twice for fun. Um, so, <laughs> so fudging rolls there doesn't make a lot of unless you're going to fudge a roll so that you get mulched. <laughs> but then, I mean, you've got agency. So if you really want to get mulched, you you just I'm going to jump you in. Computer, computer, computer doesn't own me. And yeah, computer doesn't own me. I'm going to jump through this hatch. Oh, okay, that's a that's a heat exchanger, and now you're at 900 degrees centigrade. Oh, I vaporize. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so yeah. And, and in DCC, the same thing, right? You, you, you generate a character, you make it through the funnel, uh, you make it to level three and then something bad happens and you die. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. That was fun. Let's go back and start another funnel. And, um, you know, you, you, you don't spend a lot. I'm, I'm looking at some of my other books like Monarchies of Mao and Pugmire and 5e. And, and it's like, no, you know, you spend a lot of time making those characters and, and uh, and you don't want to see bad things happen to them. But 
Right. No, there's, there's there's other systems where the chaos isn't isn't as um, it's still impactful, right? I'm I'm not trying to say, oh yeah, you know, you play paranoia and who gives a crap what you do. It's it's still fun and you're having a good time and and there right, are interesting still a narrative and goals. Right, and and you're gonna make some interesting choices, and there's gonna be risk, but the but the uh, the risks themselves, and and yeah, you you could wind up dead, you could wind up marked as a traitor, but the um it isn't it doesn't carry such a negative connotation like the I, I want I don't want to use the word less value like my my paranoia clones have less value than my drow cavalier from pathfinder um or down fear i'm sorry my dumb fear cavalier from pathfinder but there's less investment that's that's what i'm saying you're less emotionally invested in some of these characters so the the outcomes if they are failure not so not such a big deal and while we're talking about outcomes and fudging dies there are systems seventh c is one of them that rewards failure so as a player character i can put together my dice pool roll look at the dice pool and and look at my friends around the table and go nope i'm supposed to sail the ship to safety i fail Hmm. and in in which case you get a hero point Right, so you get rewarded by the GM for for failing, um, and then again, seven seven C is a very kind of improv shared story experience. The, you and the GM and your other players are going to talk about well, what does that failure look like? Okay, we're in the storm, we're on the pirate ship. the The guy who's supposed to sail us to safety has just said, "I I, I want a hero point. I'd like to fail." sailing the ship to safety well that could mean that the ship sinks and you're all on a lifeboat that could mean that the ship runs aground not near where you were trying to sail that could mean that the rigging gets all trashed in the storm and now the ship is stuck in the middle of the ocean like there's a bunch and and you as the the gm and the party will kind of arrive at a conclusion um, that keeps the story going uh, and that everyone kind of is is on board with. I, I Since I've looked a little bit at 7C, uh, since that's something that we hopefully will, will be able to play soon. Yes. I am... I'm reminded by uh, what you said earlier about applying. If if you do fudge a roll, you apply some sort of of negative to it to keep balance in the world. Um, and here, I is hero points is the mechanic to do that in Seven C, right? Like that's that's what I've gathered. So um yes. Yep. Okay. It 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 can it can definitely be used to kind of balance that out because um the GM can actually give players hero points um if they want. So 
and again, we we can we should probably set up a deep dive for Seven C on one of our shows. Yeah, we uh, should. But yeah, so so if if the GM wants to do an intrusion, they want to do something, and and that's actually a GM intrusion is is language out of the Numenera Corp rulebook. Um, but it's it's a similar idea, like you as the player, you've rolled your your dice pool, you've got a bunch of raises. You're going to tell that gives you the right to tell the story the way you want to tell it. Um, me as the GM, if I'm looking at what you're trying to do with your character and you're going to advance your story, but you might draw, drag the party away from the final encounter with the boss or, or what might be good for you might not be so great for another player at the table. I can I can say John I'd like to buy two of your successes here two hero points, and then you're gonna go well. I, okay, like if I I can take these because the hero points are super powerful, right? Um, well, kinda. you 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 know you we've crashed the ship we're on we're on the reef, um, and you're gonna use a bunch of you're gonna use your your carpentry and craftsmanship and wits and build a raft and and get to. The monastery where where you're trying to get to mm-hmm. um, and you roll enough successes to have that happen and have it happen quickly i as the gm could say here's a hero point i'd like one of your successes and instead of doing it all in one day you have to spend two days on the rock and then you as the player can go yeah okay you know we'll 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 hit the bargaining beach with fate yes a little bit right huh um, that helps the GM and the players kind of balance out the the story. There are there I there is a player in my group who I really really think would like seven C. That's uh that's, sounds right up his alley. Got to get him on board. I know. <laughs> I think it's just the I I don't know the 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 fear of learning a new system. I guess I don't know if it's fear, but it's. The new new system anxiety. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, if you if you if you're comfortable with a role play game system, looking at new systems can be challenging, right? I no, <laughs> no is my so, instinctual response to that because looking at five E isn't challenging at all. So it's just like what you decide to do. I just don't think right. that you know popularity is you know does a whole lot of favors for other systems yeah no that's that's totally true totally true i'm excited for the new paranoia video game that's going to hit the playstation in a couple months i i saw the the release trailer for that or the announcement trailer whatever it was and that looked uh very comical very, very, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will bring in more tabletop paranoia players. And here I am, excited for Baldur's Gate three. So nothing wrong with that. No, that's play, play what you have fun with. That's the we end every show with like play something that do, do fun, do fun. <laughs> right, do fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have any, any other thoughts on fudging? I, I guess my last consideration to tell people would be uh, do it rarely if you need to and do it in a way that is fair and more often helps the players and you have fun and have epic memorable moments in your game. Yep, I agree with that. 
All right. Uh, so that's oof, uh, we cut through this a little bit quicker than normal, but nothing wrong with that. Uh, we have had some long nope. episodes, so it's fine that this one is a bit shorter. Uh, this has been Set the Table, episode 11. Um, if you want to uh, connect with us, uh, find out when future shows are, what they are, ask us questions, you can do so a couple different ways. Uh, first and foremost is to follow uh, myself at jmscoda5, uh, or you can look for at Red Hoodie Games over on Twitter. Um, between show weeks, I try to post uh, some content for use at in home RPGs at redhoodiegames5.wordpress.com. Uh, I haven't done that for a week or two, uh, but I will have something brewing. Um, or if you would like to uh, support us in what we're doing here on the show, uh, chat with us more regularly, ask us questions, have questions asked and answered on the show, uh, then please head on over to patreon.com slash skoda, that's S-K-O-D-A, um, and that's the, the smallest level for a dollar. You get access to the patron discord um, and everything that comes with that. So that is going to be it for me, uh, for Jack. Uh, it's been Set the Table episode 11, and we will see you next time. Good day. Good day.